0: mean he's glad to be saved this morning. Amen. 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 It's good. It's good to be saved. I hate to think of the consequences of not being saved. Uh, And there's going to be a lot of people. The Bible informs us of this. Many will say to him that, hey, Lord, Lord, Uh, i tell you, it's going to be a time. Well, uh, nothing else. I guess we'll get into the preaching. And I would like to say it is a joy to be here today. Just excited about it. Been looking forward to it all week. And I do have a message, the Lord, been dealing with me on this week to preach this morning. And uh, you have your copy of God's Word. You turn to Book of Revelation, Revelation chapter three. We're going to be looking at verses seven and eight, if Lord willing. And uh, we're not going to dwell a whole lot of time on these particular verses. I have some others to share with you, but Revelation chapter three, we take our opening text from verses seven and eight when you get there, if you're able to stand. Would you please stand for reading God's Word this morning? Revelation chapter 3. Start with verse 7. Here the Bible says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. And no man can shut it, for Thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and has not denied my name. Father, we thank You so much for the reading of Your Word this morning. I thank You for the service this far, God, for the good singing, the special singing. Lord, the fellowship, the the spirit that we can feel, God. But now we're praying, Lord, that You hide me, and, and may You be seen invisible in this text this morning, in this message, and preach for me and through me. Father, we'll give... You all the glory, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Seated. <clears throat> well, this text we just read is, a, of course, a vision the Lord had given the Apostle John as he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos for preaching the gospel. Uh, the Emperor Domitian, the Roman Emperor at that time, had sentenced Christians to do things like this. He was sentenced to go out and bust up a rock out on that uh, island that was secluded. They would bust these rocks and load them on boats and put them across to the mainland, and then the Romans would build roads from these rocks. Uh, no doubt that John participated in that. But out of these churches that, uh, that the Lord gives John these visions of, there's seven of them altogether. They're called the churches, seven churches of Asia. Uh, but out of all of these, there's only two that the Lord had nothing bad to say about. And one of these was Philadelphia, which we just read about, and the other was Smyrna. Uh, He had no uh, bad things to say to these churches, and all the other ones, he had something against them. And so, uh, the Lord don't have anything against these. They were faithful and true to the purpose of the New Testament church. And by the way, this is a New Testament church. Mm -hmm. A church that has been washed in the blood of Jesus, raised up by all the things that God has given us, uh, what the Lord instructed the apostles to begin with. And we see that foundation that was built and how many came to Christ during that time of the apostles. And then we see the church multiplying and multiplying and growing. And then we see men like Paul that went across uh, in in the missions field and he Mm -hmm. spread the word into other countries. And because of these men that God called to deliver the gospel to other countries, we here in America are privileged enough to have the gospel preached to us. It came a long way to get to this land, but uh, we see this happening. Now, this text that we're looking at this morning, as I said, I'm not going to dwell a lot of time. That's shocking. I usually only dwell on the main text, but we've got a few other places to look today. But I want you to understand how that the Lord is is uh, blessing this church because of their faithfulness, because they have stayed true to the Word of God. And by the way, that's the, the main purpose of the church, is to stay true to the Word of God. And mm-hmm. if we do that, we'll do exactly what He would have us to do as a church. That's right. Now, uh, it says um, that there's a door, the word door there. He says, uh, I've set before thee an open door. Now, I've, I've titled the message this than Three Spiritual Doors. Three Spiritual Doors. We're going to look at those. Uh, but here in our King James Bible, we see that word door used 189 times. Uh, 32 times in the New Testament alone. A door, we all know what the purpose is, don't you? We open and shut it. And I noticed this morning these doors right here were closed. The first time i have ever seen them that way, I believe. And I'm about too fat to get through one side of it. But uh, we know what a door is for. We open it. We close it. It's to keep people out and to let people in. Uh, at night, usually we lock the doors. Now, we didn't when I was a kid, we left them unlocked. Didn't have a worry or care in the world. But nowadays, we lock them. We deadbolt them. We've got a, a security camera and an alarm system and all that stuff. But doors are, uh, uh, there's a purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't until I was studying and preparing for this message that I started thinking about some of the doors that were important into my life. And I can take you back to 50 years from this day. Uh, 50 years ago, was 1973, I was seven years old, and I was raised in a little, we had a four-room cinder block house with a flat roof with tar on top of it. It leaked when it rained. We put pots and pans under, on the table to catch the water that dripped out of the ceiling. Uh, it, we didn't have any electric heat. We didn't have any, uh, we didn't have a, a bathtub or indoor plumbing. Uh, we did have a spigot that came up that we got water out of. Mama boiled water, and we took baths in, in tubs and stuff that mom boiled water in. Um, and you know, uh, for 1973, we were pretty far <laughs> behind in times. Because most people had things like that. But we didn't. We were, I grew up poor. And uh, so I understand what it's like to come from nothing. Uh, but there was one thing on that house. It had a, uh, a screen door. Now, if y'all are familiar with screen doors, uh, in that day, they had this big, long spring about this long. And it would make sure the door was shut when you opened it. And so you could hear that thing creak and then it slammed back the door. Well, one of the things that I was supposed to do as a kid was never slam that door. When I go out that door, I was to open it and I was to close it and, and let it just sit against it. I wasn't ever to let it slam because it, it irritated my dad. And he said it was disrespectful to slam a door in the house. Well, I remember there when I was seven and I was running around. It was in the middle of the summer. The, the, the uh, screen door was open. Uh, or it was it was closed, but the, the main door was open and the screen door was open, so it let air in because we didn't have anything, you know, for air. And so I took off running, and I, I pushed that door and just kept on going. And that door slammed. And my dad was sitting at the kitchen table drinking a cup of coffee. That's where you usually found him. Drinking a cup of coffee, and that door slammed. And, I mean, it sounded like the world was going to come to an end when Dad got up out of that chair and... In one motion, he had his belt out, out of the belt boots and coming my way and he said, What in the Sam Hill are you doing? I knew better. I knew better than let that door slam. And I, I come back, you know, my head down and I was apologizing and everything else. And and Dad said, You get over there and you open and close that door a hundred times. And I, I remember doing that. I was over there and I mean every time and I was just crying. And I shut that door open, just bawling, you know. I had it so bad. <laughs> but that made me open to shut that door a hundred times, and I counted it each time. And when I was finished, I learned a very important lesson in etiquette. I learned a, a door etiquette, and that was fifty years ago. And I've not slammed the door since, not not on purpose anyway. I might have accidentally, but and I think of it almost every time I walk through a door. And so things that happened to you, that song that uh, Sister Helen sung there about precious memories, we think about these things. Now that wasn't so precious back then, but now it is, because it taught me a great lesson. But that was a physical door that I just described. We walked in a physical door as we came into the building this morning. I want you to know, though, there's different doors out there. and They're not physical, but they are yet spiritual doors. And the Bible speaks of these, and I'm going to look at three of them this morning. Now, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you your like, the Lord opened the door for me. And maybe you've used that. Or I'm waiting on the Lord to open the door. Mm-hmm. As a preacher, we often say that, that type of thing or think that thing, you know, because we're waiting on the Lord's will to be done. We say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to open up the door for me. Now, I can't even begin to tell you how many doors the Lord has opened for me mm-hmm. and how many I've refused to walk through and how many that I've been blessed when I did. Yeah. And I will say this, when the Lord does open a door for you, you should walk through. Mm -hmm. You should open it up and go through because He's prepared something for you that's better on the other side. It may not seem like it to you that it's better for you, but in the long run, in the end, it most certainly is. Mm -hmm. It's good for you. Now, these spiritual doors, back when I first started preaching, I prayed the Lord to give me opportunities to preach. I never asked anyone to allow me to preach. Never. People just called me. People just come out of the blue and call me and say, but you couldn't preach. And I would go to these churches, and I would preach around all, all around. I never had to ask anyone for a place to preach. And if I wasn't preaching somewhere on a Sunday, I would go out and sit on the fence post and preach to the cows out of the cow pasture. I'm a big believer. If you've been called to preach, you preach. You don't sit on the pew and listen to other men preach all the time. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep. But I've had these spiritual doors open. and. Uh, He's allowed us to do things in the ministry that He used us for His will and His purpose. But the first spiritual door that we will to look at this morning is the door of faith, the Bible calls it. Back in uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 14, there is a door, the door of faith, Acts 14 and 25. The Bible says, And when they had preached the word of Perga, they went down unto Italia and thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done for them, and listen to this, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles, and there they abode a long time with the disciples. Well, in this passage, we have Paul and Barnabas. They're on their first missionary journey, and God has been blessing them tremendously, and... Uh, they came off the mission field. They're back at the sending church in Antioch, and they're relaying all the information they'd learned on their journey. And they're telling them about all the souls that have been saved on their trip, not just Jewish souls, but those of the Gentiles. That God had opened a door of faith. He said He had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Now we've seen that in the in the Book of Acts, how that God. Uh, He he wasn't only intending to save the Jew, but the gentile alike, And that's been God's plan all along. Of course, man didn't understand that. He was a mystery to man at the time. But when God revealed the mystery, when the mystery was revealed that the gospel is for all men, and here Paul is telling the church there, he says, God opened a door of faith. A door of faith. You know, the Bible defines the word faith. In Hebrews 11 and 1, it says, Now, The faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Of course, we ponder that word faith a lot of times and we try to make sense of it. The best way that I can think about it is we have faith that there's air in the room and I'm going to be able to take my next breath. I can't see it. I can't feel it. I don't know anything about it. you know, But I can breathe and I know it's there. I have faith, though, that when I open my mouth, I'm going to breathe air in and I'm going to breathe it back out. I have that faith. But you know, if you were saved, then you understand what faith is. After all, if you've been saved, you were saved by grace through faith. And faith alone. Grace through faith. And that's all. That means you admitted you were a lost sinner in need of being saved. And that means that you believed in the gospel. And you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You believed in Him to save you and you received him as such. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And you know good and well, a man would boast today if he was able to save himself. Wouldn't you? Oh, I saved myself. Let me tell you how I did it. -hmm. We'd be telling all the world about it. We'd write books about it, and, and, and try to get money off of it and everything else. And so the Lord says, No, it's not going to work that way. It's by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You're saved through faith. Not of works. So many religions today have got caught up into works, thinking you must work to maintain your salvation. If if the Lord is not strong enough to keep your salvation, he wasn't strong enough to save you in the first place. Yeah. Amen. And so if you've been saved today, you were saved eternally. I believe in, in eternal salvation. That's right. I don't believe that a man can truly be saved and then lose his salvation. The Bible doesn't teach that. And so uh, it's by faith alone that we're saved. In fact, our entire belief system is based upon faith. Mm -hmm. And since you've been saved, that's how we're supposed to walk is we walk by faith. The Bible says in Ephesians, or I'm sorry, in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, for we walk by faith not by sight. So we don't have to see it. I didn't have to see Jesus. Hanging on a cross and shedding His blood. I didn't have to see Him be buried in a borrowed tomb. I simply by faith believed that all that occurred. And I believe that He rose again in three days. Just like He said He would, And He did. And He sits on the right hand of the Father. I believe that. By faith, not by sight. But one day our sight will come true. Our, our sight will be seen. So it took faith for us to be saved. And there's no salvation outside of that. None. Even back in the Old Testament, before Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again, the Old Testament saints, they believed by faith. Mm -hmm. They believed. The book of Romans 4 9 says that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. So Abraham had faith the same as we had faith. But for those in this world that are not saved, they've never trusted Jesus as their Savior, they don't have anything about this faith, and so the spiritual door of faith has not been opened to them. Or if it has been open, they've not went through it. I like what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, 14. He says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, we are able to discern the things of God. We should be. If we're Christians, yeah. we have the Lord Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And dwelling within us, which gives us the discernment of spiritual things. That's why we are to try the spirits. Uh Uh, There's some things going on in this country today that's being uh, claimed to be of God, being claimed to be of the gospel. Yet a lot of the things that's going on in the middle of these so-called movements is not Christian. It's not the gospel. It's not things of God. So we must look at these things and try the spirits and say... Now, is this what the Bible said this would be like? Or or is, is this something else? Because it's usually strange fire if it's not what the Bible says. So a lost person is unable to understand spiritual things. They can't. They cannot. That atheist who's memorized the Bible, and, and they have. A lot of atheists have memorized the Bible. And they'll use it against Christians because a lot of Christians do not read the Bible. They do not memorize the Bible. They... Don't think anything about the Bible until they go to church on Sunday morning, if they go. Most Bibles in in most so-called Christian homes are covered in dust and haven't been cracked open in years. And so the atheist may memorize Scripture, but he doesn't understand them because he's not spiritually discerned. And so when the door of faith begins opening, that means the Holy Spirit is drawing someone to hear the gospel, to understand the gospel. And don't underestimate the power of the gospel. Is powerful. Yep. It's the power that saves and it opens the door of faith. Mm-hmm. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, recent studies have shown that 10 out of 10 people are going to die. <laughs> That's pretty staggering numbers right there. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. The Bible says, so we're all going to meet death unless the Lord comes, calls us out of here, we we are wrapped right out of here on that cloud of glory, and our bodies are changed in a twinkling of an eye. Unless that occurs, we're going to close our eyes in death one day. That's right. Don't know when it's going to be. We all have that appointment though, and you can't call up the Lord and say, Lord, I want to want to reschedule that appointment. I do that. Where Mary does it for me. Calls the doctor and says he's not going to come up. We need to reschedule that appointment because he's gained 20 pounds since he came back. He's supposed to lose it. So I'll reschedule appointments with the doctor but you're not going to reschedule appointment at death. God has a time for you. So there's no escaping it. We have our appointment. But let me tell you something in case you are not aware. At death, there's two classifications of people. There are those that are saved and there's those that are unsaved. The saved people to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. That's right. For lost people, you're bound and doomed for an eternal punishment, and it's not going to change after you die. You don't get a second chance. We're not. We don't believe like the Roman Catholics think we're going to a place called purgatory, which is not in the Bible. Nope. There's no such place. There's no man in a, in a little booth that we can go up and and say, "Father, forgive me for my sin." That man can't forgive you. There's only one mediator between God and man, that man, Christ Jesus. Amen. And so, uh, there's no escaping death. And if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. If you're lost, you are going to go to hell. And that's just as plain as I can put it. And so, where does the door of faith begin? It's by telling someone about the gospel. By sharing the gospel with someone. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be a preacher or a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. The layman, which is those that are not one of those things, also can share the gospel with people. Mm-hmm. Just because you share the gospel do not mean you're trying to preach. You're trying to say, this is what the Bible says. This is what God says. And this is what Jesus has done for us. And if you die without being saved, you're going to go to hell for eternity. And be eternally separated from everyone that you love. And eternally separated from God. It's going to be misery. And you can tell them, but there's good news. The gift of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. He was nailed to the cross. He shed His blood. He was buried and He rose again in three days. And because of that, we too can be saved. Yeah. We can rise again one day and live with God. So that door that must be open there, that door of faith, The second spiritual door that we look at in the Bible is the door, an effectual door, an effectual door. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 16 and 9. During Paul's travels and his second missionary journey, he spent about two years in Corinth preaching to that church. And it's often called the troubled church. It's the church full of trouble. It's those that have been raised up under Gnosticism. They've been raised up under Roman and Greek gods and and, uh, worshiping those kind of cultures and doing those terrible, horrible ways of worship. And uh, some of those things we can't even speak of in this church, of the things that they they did. But once they got saved, that church needed help, and Paul was the one to help them. And he wrote these letters, First and Second Corinthians there. And in this one, in 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, he speaks about an effectual door. It says, for a great door, and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. A great door and a effectual. An effectual door. Yeah, that's an interesting word. That word effectual is used eight times in the New Testament. And each time it's by the Apostle Paul. Except for once in the book of James, James five and six, where he says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So effectual means active, it means powerful, it means effective is what that means. So an effectual door is an effective door. It gets the job done. It gets things going. It moves things. Well now we all know Paul's history and how great he was on his missionary journeys, going all over the all over the, the known world at that time, preaching the gospel. And there are many examples of powerful, effectual doors being opened uh, to Paul over over that time period. And I want you to know that the Lord can still open these effectual doors for us today. Yeah. He's not gotten closed and, and locked up and boarded up. We drove by a place uh, down here coming off Broadway. They've got all the windows boarded up. I guess they're afraid somebody's going to break in. Or maybe somebody had broken in and boarded them up. I don't know. But the Lord didn't board up His doors. He's not got them locked and closed. But they're effectual. They're doors of power. We saw that first one, that door of faith, where faith, the door must be open to the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then for it to take effect, it needs to be an effectual door. One that gets things done. One that's powerful. One that moves things. It's active. And so if you remember all those conversions under the preaching of the Apostle Paul when he was doing those uh, missionary journeys. What about that Roman Philippian jailer? Remember him? He, he once was a rough and tough jailer. You had to be in that day. In prison, Paul had him down the bottom of that prison, had him chained up. What were they doing? They were down there singing praises to God. And uh, the Lord shook those bars off. Here comes that that Roman jailer. He used to be a rough and tough character, ready to kill himself mm-hmm. because the, the, he thought they'd all escaped. But the Lord opened that door, that effectual door, a powerful, active door. And Paul was able to go in and preach the gospel to that man and his household. And they were saved and baptized. And the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. That's right. That means he does not change. We change all the time. Yeah. I've, I've got people that used to be my friends. They totally changed. They're no longer my friends. Some may say I've changed. I don't know. Maybe I have. I know my hair's changed. It's turning gray. Lots of things change. But the Lord does not change. And if he can open this effectual door for the Apostle Paul, he can open it for us. And I don't know how many of y'all kept up with the news back in 2016. Back when they were having the Burlington Revival. Uh, We watched that thing on live stream about every, every time it was on. And uh, how many people came to the Lord uh, for salvation? Over 1,200 people, I believe. Might have been more than that. I don't know. Uh, but I believe it was real. I believe it was legitimate. I believe that the, the Lord uh, came down on that place. And that was uh, for uh, 12 weeks that went on. And they live streamed that. It, it got the news and all that. But there was an effectual door that opened up there. Yeah. A lot of people that didn't usually go to church didn't. Grace, the church building, they came under that tent to hear the preaching of the gospel, and they heard it, and the Lord saved them through that effectual door. There's been many other revivals uh, since then, uh, small ones that's been reported. How many is real? I don't know. We just have to see. But uh, all through the years, there's been great revivals where the Lord's opened these effectual doors, and, and we've seen salvation. But I want you to know if it can happen in Burlington, North Carolina. It can happen right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. It can happen right here on Bernard Avenue. That's right. It can happen just right down the road from the beer joint. It can happen here. Yeah. It can happen anywhere. Uh, the Lord can open that effectual door. But the thing is, we've got to be like Paul. Oh, we've got to walk through it. We've got to say, I see that door. I see the door that you've opened, that effectual door. That one that's active. That one is powerful. And I choose to walk through. You see, we all have a choice. It's called free will. Yeah. We have the free will to serve the Lord. We have the free will not to serve the Lord. If we want to be true to Him and be faithful to Him, be pleasing to Him, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to see that door. We're going to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to walk through that door. And sometimes that's the hardest part of it, is walking through it. So the Lord can open the door, an effectual door. And I know that we're not all missionaries. We're not going to go to the, core of the mission field. Not everybody's going to be an evangelist, preacher, or pastor. But everyone can certainly pray. You know those folks over in Burlington, North Carolina, during that revival, ten years prior to that, they began praying for that revival. For ten years, they prayed for that revival. They were determined that effectual door was going to open there and where they are. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, I'm sure everybody's heard of him, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, wonderful, wonderful man. Wrote a lot of great books that I, I greatly enjoyed. He had one of the most effectual ministries in all of England back in the day that he lived in. And people would visit his church and they'd talk about how great it was and, and how powerful his preaching was. and How many people were coming for salvation. And some people were telling him that one day. And he said, come here, I'm going to show you something. And he takes them down the steps underneath the church, underneath the altar where he usually stood under that. And there were hundreds of people down there on their knees. praying that the Lord would send his power on that place and on that preacher. He said, this right here is why all that up there happens. Because of this right here. So we can all be a powerhouse for God. We can hit our knees you may not have the talent to do anything else, but I guarantee you, you know how to pray. You can pray. Mm-hmm. The third spiritual door is the door of utterance. The door of utterance. Colossians 4, 2 and 4. 2 through 4. The Bible says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with on praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. A door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. The door of utterance. Have you ever heard of that? I think we know what utterance means, don't you? It means to speak. To open your mouth and let the words come out. That's uttering something. To open your mouth. Paul was asking the church of Colossae to pray for him that God would open up a door of utterance for him so he was able to speak to people, to preach the gospel. He told the church at Ephesus the same thing, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and therein I may speak boldly is I ought to speak. I always believe a preacher should speak boldly. I don't think we ought to be him all around and, and be weak about things. If God's Word says that we should be able to stand up and boldly declare thus saith the Lord. This is what God says. Right. Not apologize for it. Not have to go around afterwards trying to make up with people because their feelings got hurt because of something God said. A man of God ought to be able to preach boldly. i ought to be able to give utterance. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul prayed for. I pray for that. I'll get down and ask the Lord before I preach. Lord, please give me the power to be bold when I preach. Let me preach what you say and not what I say. And you may think it's just natural to be utter words, but it's not. Have you ever tried to witness people? <clears throat> Have you ever walked up to the door of somebody you've never met in your life, you just cold knocked on their door, and when they opened it, you asked them point blank to their face, uh, if you died right now, do you know where you'd be? Have you ever done that? You think that's easy? If you think that's easy, you've never done it. Friends, I'm telling you what, it takes utterance. It takes boldness to be able to stand and tell somebody, listen, if you've not been saved, you're going to go to hell. They don't like it. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to be told they're going to hell. But that's what the Bible says. When I'm trying to witness to people, I pray the Lord and ask Him to give me utterance because... If you've known me for any kind of length of time, you may not understand it when I get up and preach. But if I'm not preaching, I have a difficult time speaking to people. I have a difficult time looking at anybody in the face. It's just the way I've always been. I've always been called backwards and shy and all that kind of thing. But when the Lord, uh, when there's something to declare for the Lord, He gives me boldness. And I pray for the Lord to give me utterance when I stand and preach or, or teach. Uh, Paul said he desired the prayer so that he'd have a door of utterance to be able to preach about the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. You see, to the lost, Christ is a mystery. Mm-hmm. If you ever see anything posted on social media, maybe under a news article, go to one of the news websites where they allow comments and read under them. If there's anything that's dealt with Christianity, uh, the church, uh, a preacher, anything at all in the news article, read the comments below. You will be astounded. people. I mean, this world hates Christians. They hate God. They hate Jesus. They hate the church and they love nothing better than to destroy it because the gospel is a mystery to them. They're lost. They don't have that spiritual discernment. And so that's why it takes a door of utterance to be able to speak to those who do not know. When Paul ended his letter to the Romans, he said this. Romans 16, 25-27. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, and now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Now, I know I told you I was going to tell you about three spiritual doors, and I did. I have. I've told you about That door of faith, that effectual door, the door of utterance. We've talked about these three doors, but I want you to know there's a fourth door. There's a fourth door that's more important than all those doors. The Bible talks about it in John 10, 7 through 11. In the words of the Lord Jesus, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door Mm -hmm. of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastures. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Did you hear what the Lord said twice in that, that passage he said, I am the door. I am the door. He said, Nobody's coming in any other way. You can't go around it. You can't get over it. You can't get under it. You've got to go through the door if you intend to be saved. And uh, Jesus is the door. There's a, an old song that my mother-in-law used to sing. Mary's mother. We used to go, when we first married, we go to the church they belonged to. It was up in Worshbridge. That's worship for y'all. Because up in been a little bit in church, and her mom would stand up and sing, and she'd sing this. If it wasn't for the Lord, tell me what would I do? What would I do? Oh, tell me what would I do? If it wasn't for the Lord, tell me what would I do? He's everything to me. She knew that the Lord was the door. The Bible says, Jesus says, I am the way. In John 14, 6, He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Mm -hmm. The only way you can do that is if you walk through the Lord's door. The door of the Lord. Jesus is the ultimate spiritual door that we must pass through. I want to ask you this morning about these doors. Has there been a time in your life when the spiritual door was open to you? Maybe you've been saved, but yet there's been a door presented unto you. And instead of walking through, instead of grabbing the knob, opening up, walking through and saying, yes, Lord, I will. You've said, no, not today. Let's keep that door closed. I'm not prepared. I'm not good enough. I'm not uh, talented enough. I'm not rich enough. Whatever excuse that you want to make for not going through the door, is that you today? Has God presented a door for you and you refuse to walk through it? You're never going to be ultimately happy until you do. Mm -hmm. Until you walk through that door God's uh, put out for you, you're not going to be happy. When you heard the gospel and realized you were lost, sinner bound for hell, When you confessed your sins unto Jesus and received Him as your Savior. And He became your door to heaven. What a time that was. But what about this, that door of faith? It must be open to the lost. We must be willing to go through and say, this is what God said. And then we see that effectual door. The one that has power. It's active. It's able to see that men get saved, that women get saved, that children get saved. You know, if you don't reach them by the time they're 19, the chances are very slim that they get saved after that. People become set in their ways and their minds. They get their their uh, uh, these ideas in their head that can't be broken. And it's very difficult to see someone older get saved. I'm not saying they can't. They can't. God can do all things. If you have a loved one in your life that's not saved, maybe they're older, I don't know who it may be, but if they're like that, keep praying. Don't give up. Don't think, well, they're never going to believe. They're never going to Keep on praying and praying God. We see that door open up, that effectual door, that active door, that powerful door. What a joy it would be to see that person that you love that's lost walk through that door of faith. Yep. To walk through that active door. To go by faith through that door that's only opened by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Friends, we must be obedient to the Lord and do His will and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to keep that door open. I'm going to walk through that door. I'm going to do Your will. That door of others, just open your mouth and say, let me tell you what they said at church today. Let me tell you what we studied about. Let me tell you what my Sunday school teacher said. Let me tell you what the Lord said right here. You think, well, they get tired of hearing that. So what? Imagine the joy when the Lord gets a hold of their heart, they won't care at all. All the times He have bugged them. Okay. Not the Lord. Yeah. Are you living in a way today which you can recognize these doors the Lord has for you, don't you? Friends, as long as we're living in sin, living like the world, these doors may be closed to us. We may not be able to see them. It takes spiritual discernment. You're not living in God's will. You're living in sin. Our judgment is clouded. Sometimes we don't see things the way we ought to see. We need to get our hearts right with the Lord. And then we can see these doors. Because the Lord works through them. every of us. Let's all stand. I want to pray. Let's pray together. The Father, God, we come to you this morning thanking you so much for the message. Lord, we're, we're concerned of those today, God, that's never had that door of faith opened up to them. Lord, may they're lost. Lord, there's no spiritual discernment there. God, they may be one right here in this congregation today, Lord, that, that has a loved one that's lost, God, and their heart's broken for them. God, may they continue to pray, God, that you open that door of faith to them. God, so they can see them be saved. Lord, it may be a child. Lord, it may be a parent. Lord, it may be a husband. It may be a wife. God, a grandkid. Or whoever it may be, God. May we be faithful to always have that door of utterance where we can speak the Word of God and declare both in Jesus' name. Help us, Father. There's one today in this building that needs help. God, may this be the day that you open that door. Lord, may get that help they need. Help them today, Father. Words in Jesus' name. And amen. If you need help this morning, you come to the altar. We just sing Amazing Grace. Amazing grace.